Are you a sheep? No. You're a dragon. Be a dragon. This is for all the girls who grew up without strong geek role models to help them discover their geek dreams. For everyone who's ever been quizzed about their video game knowledge because girls don't play, girls games. Don't play games. Geek Hearing is working to bring female identifying geeks into their prime to be the role models, dreams and voices. Are you ready for this? Welcome to Geek Hearing, a critical geek culture podcast where we talk about the good and the bad parts of being a geek chick in a male-dominated environment. So today on the show, we're talking about strong female char characters and role models in Harry Potter. We figured that we would start off with something that is like, Monica and I are obsessed with Harry Potter. That's probably an understatement. <laughs> Probably an understatement. I mean, I'm sitting here in my living room right now and I can see multiple Harry Potter things scattered around. I mean, we've been talking about this, about the Harry Potter swag. I know I have it. I just don't know where I put it. I know that I bought buttons when I visited the Warner Brothers studios and I do have like all the notebooks and I have a wand as a pen. <laughs> cool. I got coasters. Coasters? Coasters coasters are freaking awesome. I know. Coasters and socks and a sweater and pop figures and uh, books and notebooks and Do you have a female Funko Pop doll? No, I just have Fred and George and Dobby. Seri that we need to upgrade both of us. I know. More I know. more girl stuff, yo. I mean, to be fair, I didn't have any pop figures until my birthday this year when you got me the Fred and George and Tom got me the Dobby. <laughs> I I was always kind of like, meh, Funko Pops, what are they good for? And ever since I have my little root, I'm like, they're freaking awesome. Everyone's so cool. Funko Pop. <laughs> so the Dobby, the eyes on the Dobby kind of stare right into your soul. Like, I know it's just shiny black plastic, but he kind of scares me. <laughs> Aww. They're pretty weird, though, the, the eyes of the Funko Pops. Yeah. But no girls. We need to up-level. But today we're going to talk about all the awesome, awesome girls in Harry Potter. Exactly, because, like it or not, <laughs> Harry Potter is not the coolest character in Harry Potter. Dun-dun-dun! <laughs> and, like, that's not because we're, a, a like, a geek girl podcast. That's just a fact, guys. Like, Harry Potter is not the coolest character. I'm not even sure if I... Yeah, what, yeah well, I mean, yes, I kind of do agree, but also because I really like Ron, right? <laughs> but we're talking about girls today. <laughs> we are talking about girls. I mean, like, do we just want to take a moment to say, like, my favorite character in Harry Potter is Fred Weasley. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry at all. I love Fred. <laughs> Hashtag sorry, not sorry. <laughs> and it's not about being Fred old. Fred is not a strong female character, but God damn, Fred's the best. We're not here to diss all, all the dudes away. We're just trying to put more light on the girls too. So maybe since we're like, both of us actually our favorite characters are dudes, maybe we need to talk more about the girls to embrace their awesomeness. Should we like just do a, a roll call about who, what girls we're thinking about? I mean, if we count the girls in Harry Potter, what come, which ones come to mind? Oh my god, um, how long do you want this episode to be, though, Monica? <laughs> <laughs> I 
I mean, just a quick roll call. I don't mean let's talk five hours about this. Oh, okay, go. Okay, Hermione. Well, obviously. Obviously. Uh, Professor McGonagall. Lula Lovegood. Professor Sprout. Fu Chang. Professor Trelawney. Jeannie Weasley. Angelina Johnson. Molly Weasley. Alicia Spinnett. Fleur de la Coeur. Bellatrix Lestrange. Tonks. Zelda Bagshot. Lily Potter. Petunia Dursley. Okay, don't know, don't know, I lost the game. <laughs> oh, you lost the game. Lost the there game. was like Professor Umbridge. I want to deliberately cut her out of my head. <laughs> Millicent Balstrode. Rowena Ravenclaw. Elga Hufflepuff. Nancy Parkinson. So, yeah, there is obviously so many um, female characters in Harry Potter. And like them or hate them, they all have a, a role to play. Oh, yeah, for sure. So some of them maybe are a wee bit weaker than others in terms of uh, who they are and what role that is. And then others are freaking badasses like Hermione Granger. Hermione Granger is a freaking badass. Yeah. I feel she wasn't the badass from the beginning, though. Like, I mean, she was, she had a... She w- she wasn't a character that was introduced and was like, yeah, I totally love her. She was really a pain in the ass in the beginning, and she really worked her way up from there. So it's not even working her way up. It's like everybody else embraced her awesomeness. That's true. I don't know. I think that she was put in a situation where she was not familiar. Like, she was a muggle. She is a muggle. And so yeah. she's trying to prove herself to the, all these people who her classmates who are purebloods and halfbloods, and they at least probably know a little bit about magic, a little bit about Hogwarts. So she's freaked out. She's a bookworm. She's studied her heart out and she's like, I'm going to be the best to prove myself. And I don't know. Like, yeah, she's annoying, but she's done a lot. Do you feel that was her intention to really become the best? I feel she was probably just like super geeky (laughs) and like, I want to just know everything for the sake of knowing everything because I like knowing things. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's definitely what it, what it was more like. Give me all the knowledge. Yeah. And when you have that drive for knowledge, I think you just kind of become the best. Oh yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Everybody is kind of annoyed by people like that. Yeah, at first, and then you get to know them, and you're like, oh, okay, these know-it-alls are not that bad. (laughs) (laughs) And as as, as it played out, it's good to have a know-it-all when you're, like, in yearly occurring death danger, (laughs) fear of life every year. (laughs) Exactly. Um, It always makes me laugh that Hermione saves the day pretty much every single year. Like, if, oh, yeah. it wasn't, if it wasn't for Hermione, Harry would be dead. Like, everybody would be dead. True. Ron, they, whoever they put down there in the Goblet of Fire in the lake and whatever else. Hermione knows magic way beyond her years, right? So, mm-hmm. if it wasn't for her, then they probably wouldn't have gone as far in any of the books that came out. That's true. Like, I, if it wasn't for Hermione... Harry would have died in the dungeons trying to save the Philosopher's Stone. And, and that's it. Bye, Harry Potter. Nice <laughs> it was one a nice book. one novel, one volume book. <laughs> and then it's The Adventures of Voldemort. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that would have been kind of awesome. Yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of like, hmm, maybe we'll all write from that perspective. <laughs> that would be interesting, though, to have a book of... Well, maybe not because I didn't really, like, totally enjoy his perspective in the books. <laughs> no. 
But at the same time, that could be quite interesting. After reading all the books, though. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course, yeah. Like, Or, like, this is totally digressing from talking about Hermione, but so we write a book series that is Harry Potter, except Harry Potter dies in at the end of book one because Hermione's <laughs> not there. And so Harry <laughs> Potter dies, and then Voldemort comes back and gets a, the Philosopher's Stone, and then it's... You mean it's the feminist approach is death and everything else? <laughs> Death and decay. <laughs> no, no. The feminist approach is life and light and success because without women, exactly. That is true. That's the essence of the story. Then, yeah. <laughs> Rather have women in your life. Strong, fierce, stunningly awesome women. Oh yes, true. I've watched. Uh, it kind of fits to the issue of Hermione and being her awesome self. Um, I've watched uh, an interview where um, Daniel Radcliffe and J.K. Rowling interviewed each other and J.K. Rowling said it was really hard for her because in her story and in, in her head all the the main characters in the book are super geeky right and they're not pretty at all and they're like just normal kids and normal youngsters right and then when they shot the movie obviously <laughs> Everybody had to look kind of decent. So it was really tough for her to, um, I mean, at the beginning, it was kind of difficult for her to get over the ideal she had of them not being really attractive. And she said in the interview that it was really good for her to have had Emma Watson on the phone before she saw her face. Because Emma Watson was like on the phone, like 150% uh, Hermione right there. So she said, yeah, she was the perfect girl for the job. And when she saw her and she saw that she was the pretty woman that she is, or the pretty girl that she was back in the day, she was kind of, well, bumped that she's kind of pretty. But at least she was in her in her heart the way how she had seen uh, Hermione to be, which was kind of really awesome, I think. I think. I think it's such an important message because even in the first kind of three and a half movies, Hermione is not super beautiful. Like yeah. Emma Watson is very pretty, all, has always been stunning, but the actual character, her bushy hair, her kind of like, she was just a, a geeky, awkward child. And As I don't think it's awkward you can get in movies. <laughs> yeah. I, like I don't think until it was the Goblet of Fire Yule Ball that she really became stunning. Even without reading the books, she's a great role model for, for little girls just watching the movies. So I hope that they're reading the books too. To show that them that they can be smart and daring and beautiful and a loyal friend. Yeah. And like just because they maybe don't look or act like every other little girl out there. Yeah. Doesn't mean that they're not going to become the most badass witch in the world. And what I personally really like is that Emma Watson, the actress as a person or as how she turned out to be, <laughs> is so much clo so close to her mind in general that I feel it's really awesome that she carries on this feminist message uh, in her life as well. So in her actual real life, that I really enjoy that because I feel a lot of girls grew up with that awesome role of Hermione being that badass boss witch, knowing a lot and still being this kind of um, side heroine uh, besides Harry. And then having Emma Watson in real life standing up for female rights. I really like the analogy of that. The umbrella, like 
how she how it got there and how she kind of can carry girls into the real world with her message. I really do like that. Spew the Society for the Preservation of Elfish, Elfish Welfare exactly. um, is just like Emma Watson being a UN Women Goodwill Ambassador. Which is, that's pretty cool. I kind of feel that she just took the spoo and then went on and became UN uh, Women Goodwill Ambassador. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, so Monica, what was your favorite Hermione moment? Uh, whether in the film or in the books. My favorite Hermione moment. Like the saddest one, as in not in the most important one, but one that really cut me deep in the heart was when she um, erased her parents' memories for their sake. That was so sad. That is, that, that's really sad. Like, I couldn't imagine having to erase my parents' memories. No. And the, just the strength, the strength she had, must have had in that moment to just, for their sake to protect them to get rid of everything that's connected to her i'm getting goosebumps here <laughs> it's horrible <laughs> but, okay uh and what's your like favorite hermione moment i have two actually um and i think they both come from the goblet of fire film it's the scene where like harry and ron aren't speaking and she is acting as this go-between to them and Ron tells her this message because deep down, Ron is not actually angry at Harry and he wants to save his life. So she, <laughs> Seamus told Hagrid that somebody told somebody that Hagrid is looking for you. And then um, Harry's like, well, you can tell Ron, blah, blah, blah. And she goes, <laughs> I am not an owl. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes, girl, these two stupid boys need to talk to each other. That's very true. She had a nerve, though, when they weren't talking. Like, that's difficult. That was a whole difficult book. Oh, that we could have an entire episode on that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then my other favorite moment, like, these are just, they're, they're nowhere near your whole, her having to erase her parents' memories or anything, but she punched Draco Malfoy. How awesome is it that? Awesome. <laughs> so cool. And we're not for violence, right? <laughs> no, we're not for violence, but that is like the single greatest thing. It's like, who hasn't wanted to punch this snarky white boy with like bleach blonde hair who's so pretentious and rich and such a jerk all the time? Who hasn't wanted to do that? Yeah. I mean, she, she, she did try a lot to not let him get her under, like get him under her skin. He, Deserves a hit once in a while. <laughs> once in a while. But we're not for violence, people. <laughs> not for violence. We other people. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. It was awesome. Because he didn't see it coming, that was pretty cool. No, I really want to watch all the movies again. Yeah. You... <laughs> Same. <laughs> I just read the series, like, uh, last year, all of the books again. And Same. it's so intense how little I can remember. Like, oh, really? Yeah. No, I, I remember. haven't read all of them in a while, and it was interesting to see how much movie knowledge I still had, and to realize that, especially the later movies, I haven't seen those very often because I don't know. Maybe they don't show them at uh, earlier time in the in in television. I don't know. So I haven't. I didn't come across all of them. So I just like maybe you know from one to four. Those are the ones that you re more regularly saw. So I'm like. That's the knowledge I really remember, right? Mm -hmm. Reading the books, I was like, 
man, I didn't remember all of that. So I really need to do that more often, read the books more often. Yeah, I have that with the Deathly Hollows, um, because obviously we've established my favorite character is Fred and spoilers, he dies. Um, so I haven't <laughs> read that one very much because it breaks my heart. <laughs> It is. It was so sad. It's generally it gets really lethal in the last few books. Mm-hmm. Like so many people die and elves die and everybody dies. It's a tough so one if you're like emotionally invested. I know. I know. But so good. So good. Next woman, badass boss witch. <laughs> um, I think we need to talk about Professor McGonagall. Oh yeah. I mean, she's like very high up in the badass boss witch. She's I mean, maybe the baddest witch in all of Hogwarts history. I mean, from the ones we know, right? From the ones we know. But I think I think that's a fair assumption. She is pretty freaking awesome. I mean, she's an animagus, right? It's like she yeah. can turn into a cat. And it's awesome. She's one of the very first characters that we meet in the series in cat form. That's really true. I like how she's always... She always feels so heartless i mean she doesn't feel heartless she she makes people stick to the rules and enforces them with an authority that often reminds you of do you even freaking care right Mm -hmm. but that's exactly how she shows that she cares to take care of all of not only her entire house but even the entire school professor mcgonagall is actually one of the characters in the book and probably in like all characters ever that i identify with the most Um, really yeah, I um I I just think she's she's amazing. Like she's always so stone-faced and serious, but then there's that undercurrent of humor. And like she's actually you know, it's like looking at a a big burly man who you're like, "Oh, that guy's scary." And then he turns out to be a sweetheart. Like I I kind of picture McGonagall is the female version of that. Oh yeah. I think behind closed doors she's probably really hilarious. <laughs> I, I imagine the teacher's lounge. Imagine the teacher's lounge. <laughs> um, like so, throughout the entire book, she's—I um, mean, she she's just there, and she's steadfast, and she's showing this quiet love and appreciation for all of her students, but yeah. especially for Harry because she knows, like, life hasn't been easy for him. Yeah, and so even though she wants to, and she is so often like a very strong figure in his life, she's also like. Here, Potter, have a cup of tea. Let's rip down the man together. Uh, the man being Umbridge, re- representing the crazy man at that point. But like, the, that was a whole other. This woman, man, the fifth book. It was a tough one. I know. <laughs> yeah, but I feel she never. She 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 did a really good job in juggling kind of the fact that she cares more about him and therefore being obviously stricter with him mm-hmm. because she wants him to be the best version of himself kind of one of my favorite lines from the philosopher's stone is from her um, when he's harry is talking to her and telling her I can't remember exactly what, what he's saying to her, but trying to explain, like, you have to do this, Professor, blah, blah, blah. And she goes, don't tell me what I can and can't do, Potter. <laughs> and I, I just think that it's such a, like, yes, she says it to to an 11-year-old child, but she it's, it's a line that can be transferred and reflected across women all over the world. Like, don't tell us what we can and can't do. 
That is very true. And starting from a young age, telling that to uh, condescending sometimes, 11-year-old. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, boom, Harry, don't be dick. <laughs> don't be a dick. She really tried hard to. She did. And I, I think she did a pretty good job. Oh, yeah. I mean, her and Hermione. They, they both had their hand in, in shaping shaping that. Oh, yeah. I feel the friendship between Harry and Hermione was always really special because it was never really about anything else than just them being friends. Exactly. That was nice. That was really cool. Yeah. But McGonagall. Yeah, McGonagall. Uh, I think that we really need to talk about, you know, the Deathly Hallows and her role in that because Dumbledore... Spoilers, sorry. Spoilers, sorry. That's actually, what's that? The Half-Blood Prince Dumbledore dies and when he goes on the run and McGonagall's like, I'm coming with you. And he's like, no, you're not. You need to stay here and run yeah. this school. Um, so like he trusts her more than probably anybody else out there. Oh yeah. Uh, but she, I mean, we realized in the end that Dumbledore had way more secrets than we thought we knew. Yeah. So he probably didn't have really a lot of people in his life, but McGonagall was definitely one of the ones that he trusted in the most. And she, I mean, how she handled the Hogwarts battle of Hogwarts. Oh, the battle of Hogwarts, man, it gives me chills. Like, just being there, rallying everyone to defend the school, bringing the castle gargoyles to life and being like, come on. And like, there's, there's this scene, and I've written the quote down here because it's just... Is the epitome of Professor McGonagall to me. Mm -hmm. I'm going to read it here. Get back, shouted Ron, and he, Harry, and Hermione flattened themselves against the door as a herd of galloping desks thundered past, shepherded by a sprinting Professor McGonagall. She appeared not to notice them. Her hair had come down, and there was a gash on her cheek. As she turned the corner, they heard her scream, Charge! Oh my... <sighs> I'm getting goosebumps all the time today. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> That's the power of Potter. I know. Um, oh, I've got them too. Like my hair, hair is actually standing on end. But like in that moment, like that is just the embodiment of the strongest woman character in these books. That is true. So if you compare her, for example, to Hermione, it's a different kind of role, right? Okay. So every woman in the books has a separate, super important role that they're fulfilling. So it's kind of like a... That kind of J.K. Rowling showing us, look, girls, that's everything you can be in so much more. Like, you can identify with Hermione, who's a geek, who is warm, and, and she cares for them, for, for her stupid boyfriends, right? Like, her boys as friends, I mean. <laughs> and she's trying to educate them more and being helping them, but all of the role of being a super good friend. Then you have McGonagall, who's that badass that's enforces them to be the best version of themselves by enforcing rules on them and by still being the most loyal person for the school and for all the students in the school. Do you have any favorite McGonagall moments? I mean, like I, I've said mine. It's that last one. It's the best. Favorite McGonagall moments. I mean, I really always like it when it turns out that she's having fun or she's when she, because she really didn't like Gilderoy Lockhart, right? So I, I remember that they were like really where she was super skeptical about him and and then and, and tried to make him see that he's just a jerk. <laughs> I really like. So I always like when you could like when you could see him through behind her facade, right? 
mm-hmm. where she could where she was like i'm not always the straight kind of witch i'm also the as you said the humor when the humor humor came out so but i can't really recall a, a specific scene right now just because my lack of memory is just yeah. searches its kind that you, you got to go through and you got to find these quotes before the show monica <laughs> oh yeah i gotta have to do that <laughs> I definitely have to do that. <laughs> Next, Wilbin, because I'm a Ravenclaw, I'm gonna name her Luna Lovegood. <laughs> Luna Lovegood. She's, she's amazing. I love Luna. She always seems so out of this world, right? But I feel she's so much more in this world than we realize. That's and true. I feel she just brings us the message of fucking embrace your weird. Definitely. Embrace your weird. And the, the thing with Luna is that she has been through some some shit you know she she's lost her mother she witnessed her mother dying like mm-hmm. she's seen death she's seen destruction she's held sorrow and she is approaching life in such a whimsical magical way like she's not letting these personal horrors so to speak take away from her future like she her she's using her past to fuel her on as a strong ass woman that is true I feel probably also because of all the things she saw, she can see the childish games that all the others play on her as what they are, stupid childish games, and it's it will pass. She's been through worse, right? So people hiding her shoes, she can't care less about that because pff, it's just a freaking pair of shoes. And she's still, she's, all the women in the books are really loyal, like, that's have, true. It, it, whoever side they're on, they are like super loyal to whatever side that they're on. There isn't really a fishy kind of woman. Like if you think about Moontail, for example. Wormtail. Wormtail. Moontail. Mooney. And Wormtail, yes. If you think about him, he just snuck he's, his... He's a rat. What? He's, he's a, rat. a rat. Right. And no offense against rats. Then <laughs> he just looked who's more important and where he can um, gain most for his own personal, where he can get most for his personal own gain, right? Mm-hmm. And all the women, when I think about them, I don't really see that there are these kind, there are not, none of them was like that. No, like it's, some of the some of the male characters they kind of had this double agent role. In fact, a lot of them, like Snape, strong character, played both sides. Peter Wormtail, he was just a, a rat. Wormtail was just a rat for Snape. We could start a separate discussion about his true motives, right? But he was in the end really always loyal to Lily. Yes, that's so, true. That's I'm getting goosebumps again. <laughs> I know. Um, so in, uh, the other thing I love about Luna is that she didn't hesitate to go into danger with Harry into the Ministry of Magic and the Order of the Phoenix. She was just like, fuck yeah, let's go. I'm in. <laughs> let's go on this crazy adventure. Let's go get killed. Let's go and try to save the world. Let's go and try to get killed. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder if she trusts, she, she's just too oblivious to like, well, let's do that. What can happen, right? Floating through life often is a... <laughs> A good quality to have, and sometimes pretty dangerous. One, well, no, I don't, I don't think that that was anything to do with like just floating through life. I feel like she had, she made a decision. She decided, like, yes, I'm gonna go to the Ministry of Magic with you, Harry, and I'm gonna save your ass. I honestly feel that that decision was one she made way before that. 
like yeah. way way before that when she was in Dumbledore's army she was in Dumbledore's army so whatever came after that it was just as it was so no no questions asked questions asked so that was pretty cool I'll praise Luna Praise Luna. Praise Luna. I think but, we all need to have a little bit more Luna in our everyday life. Oh, yeah, that's true. But then compared to the other ones, right? So we have those who are hardworking. I mean, hardworking as in have, every, have a job. Our teacher is trying to become the best version of themselves. If you look at Hermione and get all the knowledge. If you have Luna, who's just, I don't know what her... <laughs> <laughs> what her general uh, aim in life is, but Molly Weasley, I feel, is a on the one hand not a it's not it's not a contrast. It's just a different again a different way of living for a woman that J.K. displays for all of us to see. Molly Weasley is man, like she is just the epitome of the best mom. Oh yeah, I want her sweater, just one that's not like scratching. <laughs> yes, <laughs> me too. Like just um the way that she embraces harry harry and welcomes him yeah. into her already seven members large family like it's just it's beautiful she knows that harry's had a really crap upbringing and yeah. she's just like come along dear we'll show you just yeah join the weasley clan we'll keep you right that's true he, she doesn't even ever question she, he's just one of hers one of the family yeah and he, it for her she he was never the chosen one it never felt as if she treated him any different because he's the one who made Voldemort disappear. Mm -hmm. But he was just, he, he, she saw him for what he was, a poor little orphan boy with no relationships in his life and who's really longing for one, which was pretty, pretty freaking awesome. And I mean, their lives is hard, right? So with seven kids and uh, no money <laughs> and a totally absent-minded husband <laughs> who's lovable like he's such a cutie she's she's he i mean he adores her he adores yeah. his children. oh my god no i love arthur but he's like <laughs> he's a bit quite absent-minded and he's you know, <laughs> obsessed with muggle things and like i just i, I love him yeah, so he had to, she had to kind of double enforce authority in the household, right? Yeah. <laughs> By him being old, yay, let's get a Jinx car and, and then fly around with a muggle car because it's awesome. Why not? <laughs> Why not? She had to keep everything in store. Exactly. It's like she had to work extra hard. So Molly, like she came from a... Uh, the blacks like she most of her relatives living relatives are purebloods and like she's related to bellatrix lestrange and like the the whole bad side you guys can't see i'm using quote fingers like the bad side of magic and the pure blood pompiness and hating mudbloods <laughs> and everything and i love how you call them that <laughs> <laughs> i don't know how to word this so we're gonna do it like that um so, and Molly is not afraid to go against those long held family beliefs. Like pretty much everyone in that family, except for her and Sirius Black yeah. are evil wizards, evil sided wizards. Yeah. And she's like, you know what? This is not right. My family is wrong. I'm going the way that is right, leading the way, building my own family, my flesh and blood, my seven children. My seven children. Seven children. <laughs> um, and reason seven children out. Yay. Showing <laughs> them what is right and what is good and what is just in this world. And like, I 
think that's a really important role as well, because it shows that if your family is maybe like full of hatred and discrimination and bigotry, like you don't have to just go with what your family is. You yeah. can go out there and be that good. You can always question your status quo. Yeah. So it doesn't, if it feels wrong and if you have a different need in life, then there's nothing wrong with going your way. It's actually the best thing to do what is good for you mm -hmm. and for your own happiness to do whatever it is you want to do and not what everybody else, even your family wants to do. And with Molly, it's even, she doesn't only leave them, like leave these beliefs. She doesn't only leave these beliefs behind. She also fights them. Yeah, she's a founding member of the Order of the Phoenix. Yeah. So that's, besides all the craziness in the household, she still feels it's necessary to fight against the evil in the world, even mm -hmm. if that means that she's fighting 90% of her family. It's phenomenal. Is I've got, that I've not badass? <laughs> Are we goosebumping again? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Monica, you're just about to say, if, that, if that's not badass... If, if, if you're not convinced that Molly is badass, final fight with Bellatrix Lestrange. Oh, yeah. One-on-one, -on -one, she's just like, this one's mine. And she goes head-to-head -head with her cousin, who's totally crazy. Oh, yeah. And then just her line, not my daughter, you bitch. <laughs> it's the only swear word. If, you, like, if you're considering bitch a swear word, it is the only swear in the entire film, in the entire movies, in the entire books. And Seriously? Yeah. I never even realized that. I, I'm pretty sure it is. I, I didn't actually fact check that. So if somebody wants to prove me wrong, that's okay. I don't care. I don't mind. Um, but as far as I know, it's the only like bad word in the entire book. And like coming from the epitome of a mother is yeah. phenomenal because it is like the, the strength of a mother. No, oh, I yeah. will tell my cousin because that's my daughter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I feel it's it, what I... When I read your show notes and you read that down again, what I had to think about is always like, I'm a lion, hear me roar. And I feel it's like, I feel it's even funnier because he's a redhead. <laughs> I don't know. I literally see her as a lion. Yeah. Well, she is. She is like, she is fierce. She is oh. badass. God, I love Molly Weasley. Molly is awesome. I would want her cake. <laughs> her cakes yeah. and her food. I just want, I, Molly is great. We all need Molly in our lives. I feel the entire Weasley family is something that you really want to have, even though it's crazy and they don't have enough money and it's tough, but it, it's what... I, th I think because of Molly, the family is what she is. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the dude also plays his part and it's like the family chemistry that's super awesome, but Molly just makes makes it what it is. Mm -hmm. Which leads to another Weasley. That leads to the only female Weasley that isn't Molly. <laughs> <laughs> you say it with a sadness in your in your voice. Well, you know, she's like she waited six six kids to get a girl. So I, <laughs> yes, she waited. <laughs> yeah, she was like oh, another boy, Arthur. We gotta try again. <laughs> it's like she was desperate to get this girl child, and out came Ginny. Amanda doesn't sound happy about that. <laughs> I have mixed emotions about Ginny. I think Ginny in the books is so much better than Ginny in the films. Film Ginny doesn't do it for me. She's whiny. She's just kind of there. Um, this is not a reflection of the actress. I actually think, um, what's her name? Bonnie. Bonnie right? Bonnie. White. White, yeah. 
Um, I actually think she's a great actress, but just film Ginny was like the color beige, you know, <laughs> kind of there. Uh, it, it didn't really do much for me. But book Ginny is, is great. Like book Ginny is fierce and she's loyal and she's strong. And like, she is kissing boys in closets and it's just <laughs> like, whatever I do, what I want in your face, Ron, <laughs> like, in your face, Ron and in your face, Carrie. Yeah. <laughs> She's being a rebellious teenager in terms of that, like, not, let's go knock up a liquor store. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go knock up a liquor store. What I feel, what I, about Ginny, I feel it's just a bit difficult to really ever totally see how she is because of all the swooning from Harry. And we only, like, 90% of the time we see it from Harry's perspective, right? First of all, he doesn't notice her at all. So whatever he, he sees from her is just this small little girl who is scared of him. So you don't really see a lot of Ginny in the first few few books, even in the Chamber of Secrets. So she's still just a weak, small little girl who doesn't, he's, who's too scared to talk to him. And then at some point she starts to, fa- he starts to fall for her. And then everything we see is just how how he's all swoony about her and how he's all it's difficult to really see behind that at some most of the time because when you have the when they had they had that talk and at some point where Jeannie told him that he and uh, she and Hermione had the had talked about all of Ginny's love for Harry and how Hermione told her that she has to play cool and not 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 be scared of him and then she will fall uh, he will fall for her and stuff. That's where I was thinking it would actually be really awesome to know more about that side of Ginny to see more what she's doing than just always seeing her from the eyes of Harry. You know That's what I mean? True. That's a really good point. So I think she's probably also really badass. It's just a bit sad we don't see it enough because Harry's so in love all the time. <laughs> that's true. That, that's that's a really good point. Um, and actually something I'd never thought of. Like, maybe it is just all the lovey-dovey emotions towards her. that Because she did, she did quite a few badass moves, like you said. Like, going out and just dating girls and uh, boys... <laughs> whatever um and and being who she she just wants to be right she she had that moment you just always saw it from harry's perspective which just kind of filtered it all the time i mean she stood up right so she's always like she's the weasley she she you can never doubt her power for or her loyalty or or how badass she actually is because she was there she was fighting it was never an issue that she wasn't there for what she believed in. Yeah, that is very true. And like, if it wasn't for her and for Neville, Dumbledore's army in the yeah. school would have yeah. would have uh, not carried on. So yeah, so I was team Neville and Ginny. I was never team Harry and Ginny. I just want to say that. Yeah, I don't really know. I mean, I can't. I was never. I had to have difficult with every relationship Harry has in the books so it's not Joe and Harry for me either no this is also not Harry and Hermione that was never something I would anticipate it so it's I don't know yeah I don't know if I'm 100% happy about Ginny but it's as good as it gets I guess so 
It, make, it makes sense for the story. Yeah. And I mean, it's kind of cool that he actually in the end did become kind of a Weasley Harry. So that's really cool. That That's probably the best part about it. And in the end, they're all family now. So Harry met Harry and Ginny got married, Hermione and Ron got married. So everybody's a big happy family. <laughs> Fred. Except Fred. Aww. Sad face. And on that note, let's talk about somebody else that dies at the Battle of Hogwarts. <laughs> uh, Nymphadora Tonks, the fun-loving, awesome, wonderful Hufflepuff that she is. That was, I, I hear some pride in your voice. Uh, you know, Hufflepuff has pride. <laughs> it's, it's there. I love Tonks. I think that she is uh, a really fabulous character. Yeah, I really love Tonks. She's fun. She's also embracing her weirdness. And she's also coming from the different kinds of, has different family backgrounds. But she's also related to the Weasleys. Yeah, so, I mean, they're all related. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, but Tonks is great because, like, Tonks can, she's a metam- metamorphagus. And she yeah. can change her appearance at will. Like, that's badass in itself. But I think it's extra badass as a, as like a role model because she shows that it, okay to be different and to experiment with your looks and to find out what and how it is to be truly you yeah self-expression she is just the epitome of self-expression like i'm playing um i haven't played it for a while there's a harry potter mobile game and it's not a very good game is that that should have been kind of like pokemon go no it's not it's it's just like a tapping game it's it's kind of annoying um Got like an interesting story underlying it, but um, the actual game mechanics are really mm. crappy. Um, I haven't played it in a while, but I'm a Hufflepuff in it, obviously. And um, one of my best friends in the game is Tonks. And it's like everybody else in the game, all the other characters are, have like brown hair, blonde hair, black hair. And then here's Tonks with a like bubblegum pink pixie cut. And I'm like, yes, girl, <laughs> be yourself, be your pink hair, badass girl. <laughs> but it's also like super awesome to just change it at will. Yeah. You can always change it like really how you want it to be. Not go to the hairdresser and have a haircut that you don't enjoy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's pretty cool. Who was it that she was um like trying to cheer up or or trying to distract and she made her nose into a pig's nose? Or did I make that up? No, I'm pretty sure that happened. No, um, that happened. I'm just thinking. I kind of feel it needs to be some kid, but nobody was that small, or did someone have a baby? But that I, happened, and I, so she she was using like her her abilities to bring joy and laughter into like a serious atmosphere. Yeah, because I feel it was in the orders headquarters. Yeah, I think so. So yeah, another thing like Tonks fell in love with a werewolf. <laughs> And that is one of the most frustratingly beautiful love stories in the entire book for me, um, because it seemed to come out of nowhere. And in my head, I always pictured Tonks to be quite a bit younger than Lupin. Oh, he, he was, wasn't he? Wasn't she? Well, I don't, maybe a wee bit, but I don't think like super, super young. Really? You don't think? I think that was like easy 20. Well, that's not possible. 20 years possible. Lupin was the same age as Harry's parents. That's true. He just had a really hard life. So I think that we all kind of picture him just as old, a lot older than he is. But it, didn't they mention that age was a problem? Yeah. 
I remember him being old against it, not only because he's a werewolf, but because he's so much older. I don't know. Let's, let's just Google that really quickly. That's how internet does work, people. What you also mentioned in the show notes, which is pretty freaking awesome, is that Tonks was not only... Her, I mean, Tonks was an Auror. An Auror, yeah. Oh, there was 13 years between them. 13 years? It's not that much. It's not that much. No. And that was just an excuse for him anyway, so that wasn't the real reason why he didn't exactly. want to be with her. Exactly. But, like, I think that just before we move on to her being a badass horror, like, she shows that you just love who you love, regardless yeah. of age, gender, species. <laughs> <laughs> Despite of age, gender, or species, back labels, that what Tonks is trying to say. Exactly. Love is love is love is love. Exactly. Um, Which is legit. So, Tonks, um, yeah, you were bringing up that she was a female or. Um, and when, when I read that, I was wondering how many female auras were there even? I don't think there were many. It's because it's such a, like a dangerous position, like a dangerous job bringing in, like, the only permanence person I was thinking of was Neville's mother. Wasn't she an aura? But then I can't think of any aura, any other female aura. I don't even know what's many. Which makes it even more badass. Was must have been still super young though, so she yeah, yeah like she she was a young or so. I'm actually reading the Harry Potter wiki page just to see if there's anything any out there information about that qualified ors. Let's see. Yes, Alice and Frank Longbottom. So Neville's parents. Yeah, Neville's parents. They were ors. Um, Nymphadora Tonks. So let's see. That's two. Venusia. Let's see. That sounds female. It does, it does. Uh, it, that was a female. So there we are, three female ors. Yeah, but we, who only Tonks was still alive back then, wasn't she? Yeah. That's yeah. pretty cool. That's pretty awesome. Just the fact that she's young, she's badass. She And like, or is not an easy position to get. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because obviously in the books, Harry wanted to be an or, and he needed to study his freaking ass off in order to get anywhere near that and be amazing and smart and fast and Quick thinking and everything. So. Even though he fought the worst that the wizard world <laughs> world could imagine, she he still had to be head smart. Yeah, there we go. Tonks is awesome. And now we move over to the crazy side of things. Oh yeah, we need to talk about Bellatrix Lestrange. <laughs> oh yeah, because even though like we don't really <laughs> like her because she's on the side of Voldemort, <laughs> she is still really badass. I mean, to be honest. I never, I mean, obviously, I never like this side of... I'm always for the good guys in the peop, in the books. Yeah. So I was never really a fan of anyone on the other side. But man, casting Helena Bonham Carter for this was like the perfect... This is the epiphany of a perfect casting. Yeah, she is. She's just the embodiment of everything I wanted Bellatrix Lestrange to be. Yeah. It's as if... JK envisioned Helena Bonham Carter in her head while she wrote Bellatrix Lestrange. Exactly. It was like she couldn't have, it, it, it was just perfect. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's too much, it's too much when I say it made me like her. <laughs> yeah. I don't it really made like her. appreciate her as a character. I don't appreciate, <laughs> it's a strong no, that, word. That's not right either. I still don't like her. Yeah. But man, is she an amazing character. Oh, yeah. I mean, she's also the most loyal, obviously. Yes, I think, like, that's what we were saying 
um, earlier, like there's so many male characters that you're not sure where their loyalties are, but that's one thing about Bellatrix. She is loyal. Oh yeah. To the core. To the core that she even plants a seed is so crazy loyal. Oh yeah. It's creepy. And sometimes I wonder, like, was there any kind of romance between them? Or is she just, like, that loyal? I don't know. Did you read The Cursed Child? I did. And there was something, wasn't there? Is that why I'm thinking about that? (laughs) Dude! (laughs) They had a kid together? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Totally knew that. Need to read that book If you ask me about the name, I don't know. I I don't remember now. Yeah, good point. Okay, I didn't make that up. I was like, did I make that up? I yeah, no, they had a romance. Though, <laughs> when I talked with a friend about that, she's like, Voldemort didn't have a sex life. <laughs> and I'm like, well, all the evil people do have sex life. They have probably always a really thriving one. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's not talk about sex on this show. No, oh, but it's not, I don't feel it's unusual. It's not, it just didn't come as a surprise to me. In my head, it's always possible that besides his appearance that Voldemort was capable of that. Well, he didn't look like that before. What? Like, he didn't look like how we know him now, before. Like, because obviously before he, uh, like, died. Well, But I don't think that Bellatrix was pregnant for seven years. Well, when, when was the kid born? True, when was, when you say that now, it must have been sometime shortly before he ended, time frame, frame wise. So she must have been pregnant when she was fighting, technically, the Battle of Hogwarts. I need to read that book again. I, well, no, because Molly kills her in the Battle of Hogwarts, so the kid would have had to be born before then. That is legit true. Alright, so Delphine was born. <laughs> In 1998. In 1998? That was way before the Battle of Hogwarts. She was just a small part of the book, though, kinda. Well, I don't know. It says Delphine was born in the mid to late 90s, and then Bellatrix and Voldemort were killed in 1998. There's, we're not actually sure. In 1998? Yep, during the Battle of Hogwarts. So she was born before that, sometime before that. But we don't know exactly when. Hmm. So that's that. Um, now, one thing, though, one of my favorite scenes in um, the entire book series, like the entire seven book series, um, is one of the opening scenes written in Half-Blood Prince when Bellatrix and Narcissa are going to Snape's to get like the unbreakable, um, unbreakable bow. And the imagery and the writing and the passion and the feelings of like the underlying reasons why they're going to protect Draco. Like that is one of my favorite scenes. I have read that countless times, just that opening, like just everything about it. I recall it being like they're walking in the dust and all the, the description of how that vow even came about. I know that's not necessarily anything about how badass she is, but just that scene is amazing. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, she was always, she, she, she gave her life for Voldemort. So that probably her, his most loyal follower. Because even in the end, the Malfoys who seemed to be, I mean, well, they didn't, they weren't. <laughs> because they turned his back on him anyway. But that's why I um, also noted down Narcissa as a actually pretty badass woman. I mean, who knew what, what would have happened? If she had told them 
that Harry was alive That's when true. she checked if if he was dead or not. The only thing that mattered for her at that moment, and it looked as if they were winning. So there wouldn't have been a difference. She could have just said to Voldemort, Harry's still alive, and then they would have done whatever they would have done. It was more important for her to know that her son was still alive, even though they were on the winning side, even though they seemed to have had it all. In the end, all she cared about was her son, even though their entire life revolved around Voldemort. So that was actually, you can like her or not. I mean, I don't like her. (laughs) But... That's a strong move for someone who seemed to have been op- oppressed the entire her entire life. I think she's definitely an underrated character. Yeah. And she's just trying to make the best life for her kid. Yeah. And if that means following an evil, dark overlord, <laughs> you know, so be it. But as soon as she sees, like, actually, that evil, dark overlord is turning my son into something like a scared and cowering creature who's also he wanted to turn him into a murderer and that's what he wanted yeah and and in the end even though they probably killed people she didn't want that for her own son yeah and i i don't know she's definitely an underrated character and you make a really good point if she told Voldemort, like, how would that have ended? Like, she had a deciding role at an important point in the entire story. Go Narcissa. Go Narcissa. Even though your name says you're go for yourself anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, we knew that right from the start. And one I also wrote down because she also probably is really underrated is Neville's grandmother and all her. Her traditional mindset and in all her weirdness and trying to force Neville to become someone that he's not, which in the end didn't even turn out to be true because he's just, he just had to grow into this awesome, um, self-confident person in the end. I feel she always just, I mean, she came to a, to a situation where she, she had to raise her grandson as if it was her son because her own daughter or son, I think daughter, right? She's the mother of her. her. No, I think it's the son. Anyway, (laughs) despite her kid dying where she would probably only probably just prefer to grieve because who, wants his or her own kid to die so she grieved and then she had to take care of this small baby and raise him while being a grandparent the fun fact about being a grandparent usually is to give your kid give the kid back to the parents if they're annoying so that (laughs) she couldn't have done that she had to raise this small little weirdo and she did really what she could do at that moment while she was still grieving and I feel she tried really hard to make the best out of him as in, in her way. Here's to all the great-grandmothers out there. Here's to all the great-grandmothers. So if you had to choose your favorite, 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 favorite female character in the book, which one would you choose? Professor McGonagall. <laughs> Tough choice, though, between her really? and Tonks. But yeah, I think like Professor McGonagall just has to win for me. What about you? I really don't want to be mainstream, but it's kind of... <laughs> the thing is why I think why I'm so biased and why I have to say Hermione is because I like Emma Watson so much. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, what's her face? Maggie Smith? What's her name? Oh, Maggie Smith. I mean, she's freaking awesome. She was in Sister Act and stuff. So Wasn't she? I think so, yeah. Yeah, so she's freaking cool too, but I just, I really like Hermione because 
she's there because, <laughs> because she had it all right she she had she had to go through everything like being the smart kid being having guys as friends and then falling in love with one and him being a super dick because he just doesn't see how much she cares for him and then trying getting to keep to all of them together getting to date an international quidditch player yeah i mean just casual <laughs> just casual and and we besides i just re i i like her she's still funny and she's snarky and she's that's what i like i like smart asses yeah i have to say hermione but it's a tough decision. I mean, we've talked about a lot of strong women in Harry Potter today, and it's there are so many. It is hard to choose. So, dear listeners, who's your favorite character, your female character in Harry Potter, and why? We'd love for you to tell us either on the post, on in an iTunes review. Um, tell us on social media. Share with us your thoughts. Who do you like the most and who do you hate the most? Because we haven't even talked about Umbridge, but that's a whole other topic. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a whole other topic. We're not talking about her as a strong female role model, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So thanks for tuning in. If you like this episode of Geek Caring, why not leave us an iTunes review? You can also find us on social at Geek Caring and over on geekcaring.com. Brought to you by Dragon Powered Studio. Find more at dragonpoweredstudio.com.